When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday. Glad you joined me. Anybody notice anything different? I come into work, no one has said a word to me. Hopefully you guys can help my crew out here. I come into work all excited. I'm clean shaven, you know, I, 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 I look good. Anybody, anybody notice a difference? Yeah. No one's commented about my hair. I dyed my hair this morning. Uh, took the gray out. Don't I, I mean? But don't I look like 55 and a half? I mean, I mean, it really shaved about six months off my appearance. I look awesome. Can't believe Tiffany, Dave, Bryce, Brent. No one said a word to me. I mean, you shave six months off your look by dyeing your hair like this, and you expect people to notice. No one said a word. Anyway, uh, tell me what you think about my new hair color in the uh, comments. Uh, or in the live chat, I'll be there uh, monitoring your thoughts. Uh, I mean, seriously, don't I look a lot younger with this new color hair? Anyway, awesome show uh, planned for you today. Uh, we're going to talk some football, and we're going to do it with uh, TJ Moe and Steve Kim. Uh, don't go anywhere. I got a terrific fire starter as well uh, for you. We're going to get right into it. Uh, I'm, I'm upset. I'm irate. Uh, Let's, let's see if I can unpack this, taking an NFL preseason game and unpack it into this much bigger, broader topic and issue. Uh, when I heard the NFL suspended the Patriots-Packer preseason game due to Isaiah Bolden's injury, I immediately thought of Oliver Anthony, the backyard country singer. Forgive me for this impersonation. It's a damn shame what football has gotten to for fans like me and fans like you, wish I could wake up in cowboy blue, but I can't. This nightmare's true. Living in a new world with an old soul. These cowards bowing to feminists, Lord knows they wear pantyhose, want to control what you think, want to vaccine mask you, and they don't think we know that they drink Bud Light too, because these football players don't hit and they play with limp wrists because of these cowards bowing to feminists. Anyway, <laughs> that's my Oliver Anthony impersonation. How did I do? Hopefully I didn't make your ears bleed. Uh, stick with me. Uh, football died Saturday night in Green Bay, Wisconsin, when Bolden collided with a teammate, laid motionless on the ground, and was carted off the field. With a little more than 10 minutes to play, the NFL canceled the rest of the game. Fans filed out of the stadium with little complaint. Patriots coach Bill Belichick praised the NFL for acting quickly. I appreciated the way the league handled it. I think it was the right thing to do, Belichick told reporters after the game. Patriots players praised Belichick. 
Bolden, a cornerback for the Patriots, was released from the hospital Sunday morning. He appears to be fine. But the Patriots were so shaken by his injuries that they canceled a pair of joint practices scheduled against the Tennessee Titans. Something bad almost happened to one of their players. The players need time to mentally recover. 45 years ago, almost to the day, Raiders safety Jack Tatum paralyzed Patriot receiver Daryl Stingley with a hit. It happened in the second quarter of a preseason game. Stingley was carted off the field and taken to the hospital. The Raiders and Patriots finished the game. That night, Raiders coach John Madden was the only person to visit Stingley in the hospital. Madden made a series of phone calls to stop the Patriots from flying back to Boston. I'm not defending the callousness of the 1978 Patriots. I'm arguing that we've grossly overcorrected. Football can't survive this correction. The enemies of football and masculinity have won. They killed football. They won the long war of convincing men that the key to happiness is choosing safety over freedom, safety over everything. Writing for The Athletic, the sports writing arm of the New York Times, Steve Buckley argued that all future NFL games should be stopped whenever a player is motionless on the field. He concluded his post-game column writing, quote, when this happens again, and it will, the NFL should continue to stop the games and tell everyone to go home. In the 21st century, it should be unfathomable that the players, after witnessing an injury of this magnitude, be asked to simply put their helmets on and return to the huddle. It should be unfathomable that we would want to watch. Let me go back to my Oliver Anthony impersonation. I've been selling my stuff, hustling eBay, PlayStation car parts for little or no pay, so I can sit out here and watch the Titans play, stumble home and listen to my wife nag away. It's a damn shame what football has gotten to. <laughs> I just, I can't believe, I mean, the guy's saying games should be stopped and fans should go home and no one should want to watch if someone lies motionless on the field. This happens all the time in football. In practice, or it used to happen in practice when they used to allow you to practice. But now, now you're not allowed to practice. But, but in my day, when we used to go through two-a-day practices in, 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 in fall camp, People's got knocked out, laid out in practice. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. We had a safety, Stan Young, very good friend of mine. And we had a tight end, Ron Duncan. Ron Duncan was like six foot four, 250 pounds. Very good player. Stan Young was 5'11", six feet, 180 pounds. Stan Young knocked Ron dunk it into the middle of next week and we all celebrated. Not because we didn't like Ron Duncan, it's because we were playing football and this was in practice. And it's one of the, I still remember the hit 30 years ago from practice. We all celebrated. We used to, as a fan, we used to go to football games hoping to see a player get the snot knocked out of him. 
We didn't want the player permanently injured. We wanted him knocked unconscious, removed from the game, and able to return with the help of smelling salts. That was football. It was a high-risk game. There were easy-to-identify consequences for participation. Those consequences added to the drama. It symbolized one of the many differences between men and women. That's what separates football from other combat sports. Women box and compete in mixed martial arts. They don't play football, not without lingerie. Feminists aspire to create an androgynous world. Football can't be America's national pastime in that world. Soccer is the solution. Megan Rapino gets to play Joe Montana in this soccer world that they're building us. The social media matrix has trained modern male athletes and sports journalists to think like a woman. In all things, pursue safety. That is not man's natural inclination. The pursuit of safety is not what made America the envy of the world. Men used to take great satisfaction in taking risk. The heavyweight boxing champion was the most revered and feared man in our society. In the 1970s, young boys admired stuntman Evil Knievel, who launched his career with a failed attempt to jump the Caesar Palace fountains with his motorcycle. But it's not just sports. In the 1920s, roughnecks risked their life and health building skyscrapers. Injuries and death were commonplace. No one shut down construction because someone got hurt. Let, let me, I wanna right here, we have the clip, I wanna play the clip I got from the Smithsonian Institute of the, the, the roughnecks. I, I, it's about a minute clip, I wanna play that here. This is rare footage of its famous eagles being installed on the 61st floor. Like the Statue of Liberty, they're thinner than they seem. The working men who construct the buildings, known as roughnecks, are a special breed. They work without harnesses, safety ropes, or hard hats, spending eight-hour shifts in the clouds with no bathroom breaks. Workers fling red-hot rivets by hand through the air. These jobs are so dangerous that two out of five fall to their deaths or end up disabled. Did, did you just see that? That's when men were men. And, and, and I'm criticizing myself. Just, just think about that video we just saw of the Roughnecks and, and them on these tall buildings, on beams. Do you understand how strong your core has to be to do that job? You understand how, I mean, how strong your core and just, you can't be me and do that job. You can't be overweight like 60, 70% of Americans are and do that job. The, 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 the things that we sit around and go, oh God, look, look at that yoga pose. 
look at what uh, this guy or, or that guy did. This used to be commonplace. All men back then had to be in great shape, strong cores. They had to be fearless to survive. Date someone who's an equestrian. Date some a woman or anybody that rides a horse for a living and their core and how strong it is and how great their balance is. This is all in the in the past. Now we're weak, fat, soft, lazy, scared of everything, unwilling to take risks. This was the normal dude. <laughs> These guys from the past, the men that stormed Normandy, the men that fought in World War I and World War II, we would be light work for them. They wouldn't even break a sweat taking us down. We're so soft. And we put these athletes, all oh, these athletes, they're on a pedestal and they're so great and they're so fearless. No, they're not. They're pampered and entitled. First time something bad happens, now we got football. Oh, they should stop the games. And, oh, this is so terrible. I couldn't mentally play. This, imagine taking the mentality of these overpaid, entitled idiots and putting them in the late 1800s. And think about the men that would get in covered wagons with their wives and kids and travel west on unpaved roads. And they would die in the cold. Their wagons would break down. But that didn't stop them. Think about the men who dynamited and blasted holes through mountains to pave roads. And how many of them used to die blowing up things so that we could all travel on paved roads and we'd have bridges and dams and all this other stuff that we now take for granted. Those were real men. It is amazing how much we've normalized fear. It's a byproduct of abandoning religious faith. Fear of death increases when you don't believe in God, when you think this life matters more than God's kingdom. Fear turns men into cowards. America is overrun with cowards, men who choose safety and riches over honor, integrity, and righteousness. The football players are no different from the high-priced executives who enforce diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives over merit. The sports administrators who allow biological men to compete against women, they're all just cowards. That's all they are, cowards. They choose safety, they choose a paycheck, they choose surviving over doing what's right. As men, the modern athlete is inferior to his predecessor. Money weakens men. In 1978, the average NFL salary was $62,600. Today, the average NFL salary for a long snapper is $1 million. Over the last 15 years, the NFL has instituted rules that basically illegalize hitting a long snapper. We're paying football players more money to take far less risk. 
The enemies of football and the modern players see that as progress. It's really a damn shame. It's a damn shame what football has gotten to. For fans like me and fans like you. I know I've butchered Oliver Anthony's song and probably have ruined it for you guys, but I, I just, I can't believe what we've done. It, it, it absolutely boggles my mind. How far we've gone off course, how weak we are, that we're talking about canceling football games because someone got hurt on the field. And this is normal and it's being written about. And every, from Bill Belichick co-signing this, the, the, when I hear that, when I hear Bill Belichick and I hear the players all in on this, it, it makes me question the entire integrity of the game. It's like everybody knows, hey man, this ain't even real. We're just here for the paycheck. This is just a TV show. This isn't real. And I know, oh, it's just a preseason game, Jason. And they should, th th this whole thing that social media has done to us and the media has done to us has exaggerated every injury and, and, and made it feel like, oh my God, every preseason, somebody gets hurt and they should just cancel preseason games because someone got hurt. As if no one got hurt in the past. As if guys never got hurt in preseason games before this and the league just soldiers on. As if guys didn't get hit, hurt in practice because they used to actually hit in practice and they used to actually practice in practice. But they've made you believe that practice is now the enemy of football. And these guys can all just show up without practicing, without exhibition games, without proper preparation. That is a lie. The quality of football has fallen tremendously because of the lack of preparation. The games are sloppy. The officiating is sloppy. The skill is sloppy. People don't know how to tackle. The, the physicality has been removed and they've told, oh, boy, watch these guys play seven on seven. That's just as entertaining as watching people play actual football. And, and, and maybe it is. Maybe I'm the old fart that, that doesn't know any better and is on my lawn you know, screaming, get off my line, and, and, and maybe, maybe I'm the idiot. And every, maybe everybody is entertained by this watered down and softened product. I think they're lying to themselves. I think they're unaware of the consequences. I think they're unaware of what it represents. The fall of man and the creation of this androgynous society that they are all looking for. The, the things that we did in the past, the risks that men took in the past, is what made America great. 
is, is what made America the envy of the world, the leader of the world. We just think, oh, we're going to just remove all that and technology. And, and you know what? Eventually, the NFL won't even exist and it'll just be video games. And video game players will be the stars of the NFL. And that will be just as enjoyable as watching real men compete for real stakes. And, and I think Belichick at this point, he's, he's built his legacy. I think these players, the players have no vision and certainly don't care about the people coming behind them. They could care less if, if their jobs are outsourced to video game makers. They could care less if they're destroying the game. Right now they're getting paid and, and the whole mentality of sacrificing and doing things that will uh, help benefit the generations that follow behind them, it's not even a thought. That's what disgusts me about modern men. We're here and we enjoy all of this, all the things that other men sacrificed for us. The, the, the previous generations, my grandparents, my parents, they made calculated sacrifices for my benefit and for the benefit of this generation. And I look around and see cowards everywhere, unwilling to make any sacrifice. Let's move away from football and just think about what's going on in corporate America. Just, just think about it. You're on your job. You're watching people get promoted and put in positions of leadership that have nothing to do with merit, everything to do with diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the big bosses, the people at the top of the corporation, know what they're doing is wrong, know that they're empowering idiots, knowing that they empowered unqualified people to, to positions of leadership, knowing they've set up a system that is antithetical to merit, unfair to the hardworking man or woman. But they won't say a word, they won't stand on righteousness, they won't deal with any criticism because, oh my God, it could jeopardize their check. And th that's why, <laughs> and I'm so glad that I connected this to Oliver Anthony with the song and all of that because I'm sitting here blown away this Oliver Anthony, I think his real name is either Charles or Chris or something like that. He's, I think his grandfather's name was Oliver. But this Oliver Anthony has turned down millions of dollars so far to do the right thing. He doesn't want to sell out. He's not just, hey, people have offered me anything. I'm just going to cash in. This man is showing a pair and showing that he has some integrity. And at some point he may sign a deal. But just think about every other entertainer and singer. As soon as they're offered any money, they jump on it and they'll do anything. Oh, you want me to sing a song about shooting up my neighborhood and selling dope to uh, women in my neighborhood and, and, and dealing drugs and, and promoting 
promiscuity and sexual perversion and illiteracy. You want me to do all that for my, just show me where. I'll do it. As long as I get the bag, I'll do anything. And so here this hillbilly is, 31 years old, that's saying, you know, now nah, I'm going to take my time. Screw the money. I have a message that I want to get out. And, and his message so far is about God. And I love it. This is an old soul living in a new world. Oliver Anthony. We need more men like him, and we need to be celebrating men like him and quit celebrating these spoiled, pampered athletes who don't want to sacrifice anything. Every move they make off the field is about enhancing their brand and doing whatever social media tells them to do. And the executives that run the NFL and run all these other major corporations, oh, you want me to do a marketing campaign with some nut job Dylan Mulvaney who thinks he's a, a woman? You want me to put him on a beer can? Done. Just where's my check in two weeks? Everybody knows this stuff is wrong, but everybody's just passing the buck because they want to keep the bucks rolling their way. Safety, we've chosen safety over everything, over honor, integrity, over freedom. How do I just keep my job and keep the checks rolling in? We're not willing to sacrifice anything for the betterment of society and for future generations. Look at the world we're going to leave kids. A bunch of men as cowards are leaving our kids a dangerous world that's less safe for them, less safe for women, totally detached from God, totally living in fear of the predators, the criminal predators in our major cities and across the country who will take advantage of our weakness. Oh my God, Let, let's don't, we got to take it easy on criminals. They face so much systemic oppression. And so we just got to look the other way. And we got no bail initiatives, no harsh sentences for them. Let's don't go after them. No, it's the January 6th people. It's Donald Trump. We have to lock them up. And the predators that run around and do violence and harm and scare people to death, let's cut them all slack. Let's look the other way. These are cowards. This is what cowards do to keep the money rolling their way, to maintain their power. The, the, the whole concept of athletes as role models is dead. They're women. They think like women. They act like women. They're after a bag, a Gucci bag, a Chanel bag. I, I love this whole get the bag deal because it speaks so much to the mentality of men and how feminized we've been. We chase bags the way women chase purses. 
no honor, no integrity, no nothing. I, I, Oliver Anthony, we will uh, continue to pray for you and, and continue to celebrate you until evidence shows that maybe we shouldn't. But so far, I, I, I like what this young brother uh, stands for. He, he stands for a lot more than any of these athletes. And, and so uh, I hope that he inspires others, other men, other women to just stand up for something more than just money. <sighs> That's my fire starter. Bring TJ Moe on to talk about it. Uh, TJ played a little football. We'll bring Steve Kim on to talk about it. Uh, football's dead, and, and if, if I, I <laughs> every year I have less and less interest in football. Every year. I, I just don't recognize the game anymore. Uh, before we uh, bring on TJ Moe, uh, I want to talk to you guys about uh, doing something for yourself, like banking on yourself. Do you really control your retirement money? If you've got a 401k, an IRA, or a similar retirement plan, the government actually controls it. They decide how much you can borrow and when you must pay it back, and you'll owe taxes and penalties for taking money out too soon or for waiting too long even though it's your money. And thanks to our skyrocketing national debt and a Congress that continues to spend like a drunken sailor, who knows how much you'll have to pay in taxes during a retirement that could last 30 years. Thankfully, Bank on Yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. This retirement plan alternative has never had a losing year in over 160 years. With Bank on Yourself, you'll know what your tax rate will be in retirement, zero under current tax law, which protects you from the coming tax tsunami. Your money is guaranteed to grow by a larger dollar amount every single year in both good times and bad with built-in protection from inflation. Perhaps the best reason of all, you'll know the minimum guaranteed value of your retirement savings on the day you plan to tap into them and at every point along the way. You can get a free report with all the details on how Bank on Yourself Strategy adds guarantees, predictability, and control to your financial plan. Just go to bankonyourself.com slash fearless. That's bankonyourself.com slash fearless. DJ Mo. It's my obligation to hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. What would you hope that people talk about you 50 years from now when they talk about John <laughs> MacArthur? What do you want uh, us to be saying? I'd be honored if somebody said he was a friend of Jason Whitlock. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Man, you have you made my day at the start of this and you just made my day again. I, I, I couldn't be more flattered and all praise to God for just whatever it is I'm doing because uh, I'm a flawed person. All right, welcome back. 
Let's roll out to St. Louis, bring in our man T.J. Moe, former Mizzou SEC football player, cup of coffee with the Patriots and the St. Louis Rams, played wide receiver on the receiving end and delivered a few big hits during his playing career. T.J., am I making too much of what happened in Green Bay this weekend? They canceled a game because Isaiah Bolden uh, laid motionless on the field after a routine play. I, am I making too much of this? I mean, football's dead, and I'm reading some guy in the athletics saying this should be standard operating procedure moving forward. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's you know I was trying to look up stats. They they don't keep stats of this, but I saw a lot of examples of people who have been temporarily paralyzed and then play in like two weeks. Derek Wolf, the old defensive end from the Broncos. There've been a lot of guys. The only guy I can ever remember being paralyzed on the field and staying mostly paralyzed is Ryan Shazier. And that was a big deal. We didn't cancel that game. He was actually paralyzed. Do you remember like for years, what would happen is they'd put these guys on a stretcher. And if they gave you a thumbs up, the stadium would go wild. That was a real thing. All you had to do is give them a thumbs up, tell them you're okay. Minor, tiny bit of movement. Everybody says, we're good. Let's move forward. And the concern goes away. And, and instead we now have, the Skip Bayless effect, and that is Skip said something that people saw insensitive, and now everybody's scared to death to say, well, maybe we could have some toughness here. And it, it really, it's a Skip Bayless effect. And, you know, I'm reluctant to ever defend Skip Bayless in any way, but in this way, I do think it is. Uh, so Bill Belichick, the legendary head coach, a coach that you played for, although briefly, but you know Belichick better than I do, He's co-signing this, and, and Matthew Slater and guys on the team are congratulating Bill Belichick on how he handled this and the canceling of the game, and they canceled joint practices with the Tennessee Titans. Oh, I, I'm just, I'm blown away. Hits like this and things like this happen in practice, and I can remember a guy would be laying on the field, and we would just move to a different field and continue practice while the medical team took care of him, everybody <laughs> just kept rolling. I, yeah. I just, Bill Belichick, are you surprised he's co-signing this? Not for the preseason. One, he, he's such at the end of his career. He'd say, look, it's a preseason game, whatever. Once upon a time, the preseason mattered. Guys were earning spots. Today, nobody's earning a spot. You don't, even, you don't do anything in preseason. You know, it, it's very frustrating. We've already, we've, we've minimized the preseason as much as we possibly could. And so I'm not surprised. Same thing with joint practices, which they basically consider games up in New England. They say, look, we know who we're keeping and who we're not. It's it's a hard thing to make a team in the preseason now. It happens occasionally, but I, he's in self-preservation mode, just like literally every other person is. And that what's frustrating to me is, you know, his dad came from a military background. He coached at Navy. So they had an actual military attitude. And we've now decided that football is for everyone. And it's just not true. It's a lie. Football is not for everyone. There should be a barrier to entry. You should have to be, you should have to meet a level of toughness, both physically and mentally to both play and apparently watch football. I didn't used to think you had to be mentally tough to watch it, but according to this guy at the athletic, you've got to be ultra mentally tough to continue watching other people put themselves in danger. And, and we act like we know, look, th there's a risk to playing football. You signed up for it. But as soon as that risk materializes, we got to shut off the game and act like it never happened. It's crazy. I, I, you blame Skip Bayless and, and are the Skip Bayless effect. It's not really blaming Skip Bayless, but you've 
basically attached it to DeMar Hamlin. And that is the standard that has been set and has been normalized. And the players now, take Matthew Slater and the, the, the veteran players who, uh, who are going to make the Patriots roster. This happened in the fourth quarter. This took away snaps from third and fourth string guys who are trying to put anything they can on film so that another team may have some interest in them, so that they have some quality tape or may do something to impress Bill Belichick or Matt LaFleur or who, whoever at that game. And now the precedent, the players' expectations are now, if something like this happens on the field, we should consider stopping the game. And I do think this, it start. look, it started with the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is now a non-contact event. And now the preseason is a non-bad injury or what looks like a bad injury event. Eventually, this is going to seep over into the regular season and people aren't, man, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, and so are you, just like, we used to love the big knockout hits. I mean, we used to love it. And now we're being trained to hate it and to go, oh, oh, God, that's terrible. But they're taking away the enjoyment. It's like, we'll go to boxing at some point and let's make sure no one gets knocked out. Make sure the, the boxing gloves are so big that no <laughs> one gets knocked out. I went to football games to see people get knocked out. I didn't want them hurt. I participated in football games where I tried to knock people out. That's yep. part of the game. Yeah, so I'm fine with making one line. Because where does the line stop, right? I tore my Achilles in practice. Should, should the Patriots with a, an undrafted rookie that most of the team didn't know the name of, should we have shut down the practice because somebody got hurt? So we have to make a line somewhere. I'm fine drawing the line at did someone die on the field? If you're dead then let's have a discussion if you're actually dead on the field. But the one time that's actually happened in NFL history, we kept playing. So I'm fine with that standard. I actually am. I mean, it, DeMar Hamlin's part of the problem here. And here's why I say that. And there's a question for you, being a former football player. Um, if, I, if, the, if somebody stopped the game because I had something wrong, I would be really embarrassed. Wouldn't you as a former player? Don't stop it on my account. Look, whatever happened to me, you guys keep playing. I, I'm, I promise you I'm not big of enough of a deal ever in my life to have stopped anything. You can go on without me. I would imagine as a former football player, if you're laying there on the field, keep playing. Get somebody over here. I can still talk. You know, by the time they got him off the field, he was alive. Keep on playing. I'll get back. TJ, I was at a game. Ball State football game, Dante Love, kid that I've talked about on this show a lot. He's like an adopted son to me. Uh, in 2008, we were playing Indiana University. It's, a, it's one of the, maybe the greatest Ball State team of all time. Dante's our best player on that team. He got hurt, neck injury, was paralyzed on the field. They got him off the field, took him to the hospital. We all, the game continued. We beat Indiana, I'm pretty sure. Yes, because we were undefeated that year all the way through the regular season. Yeah, we beat Indiana. I then went to the hospital and checked on Dante and you know, made a pledge that we've lived up to for the rest of our lives. But, but I, I just, 
Now, if this is the standard, and, and again, if it starts in the NFL, it'll be the standard in high school and in college. Everybody, if, if you can't have football and you can't, let me ask a, a broader question that I made in my mono and, and talked about men being controlled by fear and, being, and, and choosing safety over everything. This can't continue if we're going to remain a world leader and the leader of the, of the free world. It, it just can't. We, we can't adopt the standards of women who choose safety, not knocking them, but this can't be our standard. And I think it's all a byproduct of when, you, when the society, when a culture walks away from religious faith and starts thinking, what they're doing right now is the most important thing they'll ever do. They don't, no concerns about God's kingdom, no concern about the afterlife, no any, anything. Else. That's how you get in this mentality of fear and choosing safety at all times. I think that's an excellent point. Uh, I wonder something if most of the guys in that field, because you said we're being trained to feel this way, and that would indicate is that we don't naturally feel that way. And that's where I am. Again, the DeMar Hamlin thing was a little different for me because I, I believe in the power of prayer. So if this dude's actually dead and may not be making it and he's one of my best friends, I do kind of want to stop the game and pray for him. Right? So that's where they were when doing it CPR on him on the field. They were doing CPR. That was a life or death situation. I, I get Absolutely. it. Go yeah. ahead. So that's where I want to draw the line there. Like if I need to stop and pray for this dude's life, football game's less important than that. So I, I can agree to that. Um, what I think is the average guy on the team is probably thinking, should I, am I just not very empathetic? Should I care more about this? Cause like, he's going to be fine. Everybody's always fine. So what's wrong with me? Now you got a bunch of dudes who are the, the toughest amongst us to, to get to the NFL and make it most physically and mentally tough to get there, or at least used to be. And again, I mean, I should have said this early, the, the, the 2000 Madden tape was voiced by Ludacris. And it was just bone crushing hit after bone crushing hit. And I didn't like video games. So what I would do is it would play when you would turn it on. So I'd turn it on. And after that, I'd take the CD out, put it back in, and I'd watch it again. And I probably watched that 10,000 times just to watch guys get crushed. That's how, it was, I was 10 years old. That's how I fell in love with football. So all of this to say that was my natural 10-year-old reaction. I loved that. That's the whole reason. I, again, still never. I bet I played the actual game 5% of the time that I watched that clip. And so... My thought, and you've been around these actual guys, is this feels media-led. And you were around these people. Do you not believe that it's the, this guy at The Athletic and the rest of these people pushing these guys? They're the voice. They're pushing these guys to be something that they're not. Listen, if, if given an easier path, men will choose it. I mean, if... if if, if allowed to cut corners, if there's no leadership, if there's no oversight, if there's, you know, people do bad things when leadership and oversight fail. And so people will cut corners if there's no oversight. Well, no one's second guessing me on this. No one, and so when I see Bill Belichick and, and, and I see uh, the media and all the talking heads on TV, pretending like this is normal and appropriate, and oh my God. I, I'll go back to 
and I love John Gruden, but when he was calling Monday Night Football games and they put him in the booth with Sean McDonough, who doesn't like football and is soft and is a baseball announcer, they put him on with, with him and then Lisa Salters was their sideline reporter whose alternative lifestyle as well. And so the, the booth was, it wasn't about football. And so I listened to them one day, it may have been after the Ryan Shazier or whatever, but, but I listened to Gruden. He got wound up by the group he was surrounded by and started talking about how gross and how violent the game was or this particular game was. And, and I'm like, John Gruden, this dude loves football. He, football's in his blood. But he's gotten caught up in this whirlwind that the media, that the New York Times and the athletic being the New York Times' wing of a sports department is all in on this demonization of football, demonization of traditional masculinity, the, the promotion of this androgynous society where there is no difference between men and women, and football draws a big line in the sand. No, 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 no. Women, you can do boxing against other women. You can do uh, mixed martial arts, but you don't play football unless we put you in lingerie and we basically turn it into you know, a sex act. Uh, you don't do football, <laughs> and they're not going to have that. And so they want to make soccer where everybody fakes injuries to draw penalties and all that other stuff. They want to make that the national pastime. All of it, again, an attack on masculinity and on men. Thank you, TJ. Appreciate it. Great job. Needed your take on this. Uh, we'll get to Steve Kim here in a moment. But I want to talk to you guys about uh, my new little breakfast routine, Magic Spoon. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But as I got older, I had to watch out for sugar and all those empty carbs. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you love, but high protein and less sugar. Pick on a Magic Spoon variety pack and see for yourself. Variety packs, four flavors are cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four or five net grams of carbs. Only 140 calories a serving, it's high protein, has zero sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. As a kid, I was a fan of certain <laughs> uh, cereal that you know a captain used to uh, talk about how crunchy it was. That's why I enjoy Magic Spoon's peanut butter. It gives me that same magical, crunchy, peanut buttery feeling. It not feeling taste, it taste, I'm, it's awesome. Go to magicspoon.com slash fearless5. That's the number five. Magicspoon.com, fearless number five, to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code fearless5, that's the number five, at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magicspoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to get your next delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com fearless5 and use the promo code fearless5 to save $5 off. Thank you, Magicspoon, for sponsoring this episode and giving me something great to eat. All right, get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Alright, welcome back. 
Time for some Korean co-sell, Steve Kim. Steve Kim, uh, welcome back to the show. Am I overreacting? Football, I'm just, it, 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 that was a funeral, what I saw, what, what happened in Green Bay. If that's going to be the precedent, oh, someone got hurt, and they're motionless for a few minutes. Let's cancel the game. Players are expecting it now. Uh, media is telling fans we should expect it. Football's dead to me if that's the case, Steve. Yeah, first of all, good Monday to uh, you and everyone else out there in Fearlessville. But it, it, I go all the way back when we were much younger, Jason. You were probably starting out your journalism career. Do you remember the name of Mike Utley? He was a uh, standout yeah. offensive lineman at Washington State. And I remember watching the Rams play. And it was at the Silver Dome, and a play happened. And all of a sudden, near the line of scrimmage, Mike Utley was prone. And that it became like this iconic rallying cry for the 91 Lions who made the NFC Championship game. And there was this famous vision or this image of him doing the thumbs up. And that like almost became their official catchphrase for the rest of the year. But I distinctly remember the game went on. I mean, it, it was, look, these guys know what they're getting into. Nobody forces them to do this. That does not mean that should, they should be treated like Roman gladiators and that they should fight to the death or anything like that, because I see the same type of thing happening in boxing. But it, it's interesting. If you're going to do that in football, given the fact that take extra precautions nowadays, it's not just Daryl Stingley situations, that if you can't move one side of your body or you're, if you're lifeless on your left arm, they will now basically clear the field, get the headboard out. So if that's the standard, we're going to expect to see a lot of these delays and stoppages in games. So it's a dangerous precedent. Nobody is saying that safety should not be paramount or first. But there comes a point in time that there's a realization, Jason. It is a lot like combat sports and specifically boxing. You can put all these rules in it. You can try to soften the game. You could make it more safety-esque. But at its core, this is a dangerous, violent collision sport played by willing participants. They are not forced to do this. And I think everyone that straps up a helmet or puts on a pair of gloves understands that risk. So, Steve, are you shocked Bill Belichick seems to be in support of this uh, as it relates initially to a preseason game? I, I, I'm just shocked at the way Belichick handled this. Um, uh, I'm not. And I'll tell you why, given the fact he's an old white guy. And if that player was black, you know, it would be the course. Oh my God. Here's an old white guy, uh, working on the labor, getting paid on the labor of black athletes, right? That that's because you hear that all the time. So Bill himself, even though he's not on that, uh, face space, as he likes to call it or whatever, he watched it one time. He's not on social media, but he's a very intelligent guy who knows the optics. And given the fact, Jason, that maybe some of these players are now buying into this and have themselves, their mentality has been softened. If he comes out and just says, no, no, we should play the game. The game goes on. There, there is a possibility that certain players are going to look at this like, oh, my God, look at that callous individual. He's so unsensitive and he doesn't care about us. He might lose the locker room. So, so, Jason, from his perspective, given the climate that we're in in 2023, do you really think? It would be a good idea for him to have said anything else other than what he did. Steve, 
this is why many people consider you the star of this show, because you've made an excellent point there that I was not prepared for. Uh, that was excellent. I, I, I hadn't, I hadn't, I, I, and I, you know how reluctant I am to give you any praise. Uh, but I have to say that that, that was terrific because I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that. That that he is boxed in, and and he has no choice but to go along because oh my God. Bill Belichick's made a hundred million dollars coaching football and he doesn't care about these black bodies and the sacrifices they've made, right. which, which takes me to a point that, you know, I may have to just delve into later this week or whatever. But it is something that has crossed my mind is like football needs some fearless black leadership. Again, mm. Roger Goodell is incapable of leading this league where it needs to go because as a white guy, he's boxed in. His, his number two lieutenant, Troy Vincent, is a black guy who's woke. And so he won't lead this league where it needs to go. But if you had someone willing, at the top, at the very top, black, let's say if I was commissioner, I could out-argue all these idiots in the media and I could tell him to go sit down and shut up somewhere and what made this game great and why the players are earning all this money. And, and, and it, it's because of the Jim Browns and the Dick Buckuses and the guys who played in the league when it was really tough. And, and people enjoyed that and they're taking all the combat out. Of, but, but, but you're right. As long as Roger Goodell, Bill Belichick, and all these other white guys that just want to uh, – protect their standing and paycheck and they're petrified of these players as long as that's the NFL's leadership we're going to get this woke stuff and this safety stuff jammed down our throats because no one's got the balls to stand up to the players yeah the tail is certainly wagging the dog but what I find interesting um especially on social media is that when former players who have played at a high level Actually, say, wait a minute, this is not football. You're, you're taking part of the very element that makes it the rewarding, not always fun, but the rewarding uh, task that it is. And it's very lucrative and very few people can do it. The pushback they get from people that have probably never played the game is amazing. It's like that old, uh, it's like that analogy of those in the ivory tower are dictating to soldiers how they should be on the battlefield. It, it, it never fails. And our very own TJ Moe, he actually had a great tweet where he said, wait a minute, this is not the football that I grew up on. This is not what football should be. And some guy talked about how you probably never played the game, blah, blah, blah. And he got roasted because all of Twitter basically said, hey, Google TJ Moe. He was kind of good at Missouri. They play in a conference called the Southeastern Conference. It's kind of high level. But then it never failed. Then some guy said, well, you never made it past training camp. And I felt like telling this guy, you know what? Let's see your stats. What did you do in Division I football? I, I do find it interesting, and, and this is where I think, again, we're talking about the public pressure. I see a lot of old-school football players out there, like a Bart Scott, Seth Joyner, that have actually come out pretty hard and said, no, 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 we want the hitting. We like the violence. This is what we do. We are gladiators. And immediately what happens is if they have a quote that says that, then it goes viral then it's a bunch of limp-wristed white liberals for the most part let's, who start excoriating them. 
And in my view is they don't even want the blowback because they just want to make their living. They want to earn their six figures talking about the game of football. So it becomes this pressure. Like I remember last year uh, when Michael Irvin, and by the way, free Michael Irvin, it's, it's time to let him back on. We're about to kick. Let, let's get the playmaker back on TV. He got railroaded. But me and you love the fact that Michael Irvin said last year, hold on, let's be honest about this. All of us, when we played, we would sneak in smelling salts and put it right under our nose and we'd say, okay, we're ready. And people were horrified by that. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's football. That is absolutely football. And Jason, I'll say this again. As someone who loves the 80s and 90s and grew up in that era, I will still binge watch a lot of NFL films and old sports documentaries, specifically football, just for research and entertainment purposes. The type of hits that used to go on routinely in that era are now fined. I mean, I saw this one hit up between the Buccaneers and the Steelers where a guy makes a really good tackle. He gets fined 40000 Back then, that was just called a tackle. They have softened the game. Now, I want to make this clear. To play high-level football, which is Division One or above, or even Division Two, because not a lot of guys can do that, and then to make an NFL training camp, it takes a special human being. You have to be genetically gifted. You got to be a little bit crazy, and you have to be tough. So it's not like anyone can do it now. But have they softened the game? There's no doubt. That's not even a question. Look, look. The, because last week I reread the book The Blind Side, and and there's a chapter about the I think it's the 1981 playoff game between the Giants and the San Francisco 49ers, and Bill Walsh having to deal with Lawrence Taylor. And he tells a story about this offensive guard who the 49ers use to, to help block Lawrence Taylor. It made me go back and watch that game to see what he was writing about and talking about. And I, I, I watched that game on YouTube because all this stuff is out there on YouTube. And, and it did. I watched the game. and I was like, oh, my God, this is what football used to be like. Look at Lawrence Taylor just running wild. L- look at, you know, Ronnie Lott. Or j- just look at what football used to be. Yeah. And it's not that anymore. And it drives me crazy. It, 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 it's just not as fun to watch, Steve. And, and it, it's, it's seven the on seven. A, the Niners had this line coach. His name was Bob McKittrick. And everyone hated him outside the Niner organization because what they used to do was the high-low chop block. You can't even do that anymore. So you would engage a guy up top, and another guy would just chop you. And, and look, that was, there were players after the game that used to try to come out and really try to tear off McKittrick's head. I remember the Raiders one year, I think Howie Long and Matt Millen, they basically wanted to like beat that guy up after the game. They, you can't do that. In fact, you can't even chop block out in open space now on a screenplay. That's how much they try to clean that up. But when you talk about the rules and how it dictates people play, when I was in Arizona last week, I met up with an old friend of mine, Rudy Carpenter, who was a record-setting quarterback at Arizona State. You go into their media guide, he's up there in every passing record, had a five-year career in the National Football League, and he coaches quarterbacks, many of whom are now in the NFL. He's a personal instructor, does a lot of media. So we went out to lunch, and we're driving back, and he said, Steve, you know what I hate to see in today's game? He says, if I see another quarterback make a bad, irresponsible throw and get their receiver lit up, and that quarterback starts doing this motion about like, like he did something good by getting his guy blasted, but you draw a penalty and you think you made a good play. I want to strangle those guys. 
because you and TJ talked about it last year. As a receiver, you know what quarterbacks you really like? You like ones that get you the ball but also keep you safe with accurate ball placement. And Rudy says the game is so cheapened now, quarterbacks after incomplete passes are now looking to draw flags because they nearly get their guys killed or hit too hard. And he said, Steve, that's what a lot of these rules have created, that type of mindset. It's turned it into soccer where everybody, Mm. we see it in the NBA with the flopping. Now there's flopping and people lay on the ground to try to exaggerate injuries, to draw a flag. We see it now in football. Everything is about can I provoke the referee into throwing a flag? It's not about can I impose my will on this other player and this other team. It's can I draw a flag to move the ball downfield? I, I just, I'm telling you, man, they're making it hard for me to, to, to and, and I, you know, I like having a little money on the game. I, 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 I like that, but I have, I mean, dude, I used to start with the Hall of Fame game and watch every yep. NFL game I possibly could. I, I, this will be the second, third year. I haven't watched any preseason football. It's, it's the equivalent of the Pro Bowl. I, dude, I can remember when I was a kid, <laughs> I would record the audio of the Pro Bowl game. I would watch it. This is before there was DVRs or whatever, DV, whatever. You couldn't record or VH. You couldn't record TV back then. So I would watch the game and record the audio of the Pro Bowl so I could re-listen to it. Mm, now, mm, mm. you couldn't pay me to watch a Pro Bowl, and they've canceled the Pro Bowl now. You couldn't yeah. pay me to watch a preseason game. I, I was invite, I've been invited to the Hall of Fame ceremonies the last few years when Tony Gonzalez went in. They just honored Jim Brown. I just don't have an interest in preseason football. My passion for the NFL is, is waning. I like to talk about the issues and explain how they are a reflection of modern culture. But my passion just isn't nearly the same. This just isn't the game I fell in love with. So the question to you is, was it live or was it Memorex? But anyway, yeah, you know, you, you take a look at the Pro Bowl. I've actually, this is, I'm, I'm a sicko. If you go to YouTube and you, let's say you type in 1991 Pro Bowl. So any of those Pro Bowls from the late 70s all the way to about the mid 90s, watch the fourth quarter of the games that are close. And Jason... They start to play football because back then, you know, back then the money wasn't quite as great. So your winning bonus, whether you're on the NFC or AFC, it kind of mattered a lot more. And there are a couple of games in the last, I would say, 10 minutes. It became football. These guys were really competitive and these guys would start drilling people. And I was like, wow, that's the way it used to be. But, Jason, you talk about the mindset of the players, how some of them are now buying into this, right? Reminded me of a conversation that I had with Rudy Hernandez. He's the brother of the late, great Gennaro Chicanito Hernandez, uh, former world champion boxing who's no longer with us, and now a noted cut man in the UFC. He still trains a couple of boxers, namely Junto Nakatani, a world champion. So last year, we're at lunch at the uh, our favorite spot, one of our favorite spots, the Sizzler on Beverly Boulevard in Montebello, and we're talking about fighters' treatment. They deserve they deserve this. We got to treat them well. And this, this. And Rudy's just looking at me in disgust. He's just looking. I go, what? He goes, you know, Steve, people like you are the problem with boxing. And I go, what do you mean? I, I think, and he goes, no, 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 no. 
I don't mean you, but stuff like that. I, I go, what are you talking about, Steve? Trust me, I was a fighter. Because as a teenage boy, I sparred Tommy Hearns. I sparred Alexis Arguello. I had a pro career. I won the first ever form championship uh, tournament because I trained my brother. I've trained other world champions. I've made my living in the sport. You know what we're doing to our fighters with all this stuff about treatment, safety, this, this, and that? Don't make it. He goes, Steve, you're softening fighters. And you know why? I go, why? Because you treat them like humans. And I go, well, they are humans. No, no, no. I go, Steve. We are gladiators. We are fighters. To do this, you have to have a certain mindset. And to be as good as you want to be, you do not treat them like humans. And I was, I was blown away. And basically, in other words, you got to forge these individuals. That they're not like the rest of society. They're not regular civilians. And it used to be a point of honor for men that played football or any other real contact sport with violence, MMA, certainly, uh, boxing, jujitsu, that you kind of knew, like, I'm a little nutty. I'm a little different. I'm not like the regular guy. That's why I'm not working in a cubicle. But now I, I believe that they're systematically trying to take away that mindset. I want to make a slightly different point. I like that point, but, but I don't find these guys – worthy of admiration because of how soft entitled yes. they are and and uh, they just and I made this point in my mono that like I can relate more to Oliver Anthony some hillbilly out in the woods who sings <laughs> some song it's a damn shame he's more relatable to me than an athlete. I'm a former athlete. Yeah. Virtually all of my friends are former football or basketball players. I look at the pro athletes, they're entitled elites that want special, oh my God, this job's gotten hard, it's not safe, let's cancel, let's stop games. I don't like them. I relate more to the mentality of an Oliver Anthony, a factory worker, a coal miner, guys that just, make a sacrifice, they sacrifice yes. their own life, health, for their family, their kids. And, and I, I look at these athletes and go, millions upon millions of dollars? And, and they want less and less risk? And they want everybody to feel sorry for them? And, oh, we're oppressed and we're more than an athlete and we're going to fix the criminal justice system? Yeah. Miss me with all of it. I. <laughs> Jason, I truly I believe just, that. I guess Ray I'm Lewis, just an old fuddy daddy. And Jay, yeah. Jason, obviously, I'm biased, but I, I think Ray Lewis is one of the last of the true football playing gladiators. And I use that word because I remember watching Hard Knocks its first year. He would do this. I don't know if, how long he did it, but before every game when he's at the team hotel, what he would do, he would bring his own copy of the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe. He would watch it on loop. So for 24 hours, he'd be watching Maximus. Max. So he got into that mindset. And if you if you ever YouTube Ray Lewis, go to like his greatest greatest fifty plays. Uh, there's like various versions of it. Half those hits now are illegal. They've been legislated out of the game. Same with Brian Dawkins. That's another guy that I really look at. He used to come out as like the Wolverine during like the, the player introductions. He used to kind of crawl onto the field because he realized like, hey, I'm not human. I'm Wolverine. I'm a superhero here. Um, and a lot of his hits. Remember John Randall would paint up his face uh -oh. and just yeah. come with some cartoon character? Yeah. yeah. So all that is over. 
And it, it is interesting the what football has become. And I, here's the thing, though, Jason. When you look at television ratings, and this is what football is, college and pro, it's programming. It's television programming. And every year you look at the top 50 shows, Nielsen ratings, throughout the year. Every year it seems to me at least a third of those shows are some sort of football-related programming. Games, regular season games, even the NFL draft, Jason. The NFL draft actually does better ratings than a lot of NBA playoff games. What does that tell you about the hold or on the, on the country that the National Football League has? But I do wonder, is there going to come a time where people are going to say, you know what? Because I felt one time, look, there was years ago probably me and you, Jason, said, oh, we're NBA fans. We're always going to watch it. Guess what? I have to now be forced to be watching for you. This is what I do for Fearless. This is a sacrifice that I make as a Fearless team player to watch that. You're a real man. You're a real man. You're a real man. Oh, my God. I feel less of a man every time I watch that. (laughs) But I'm just telling you, there comes a a time not that long ago where we all thought we're going to watch the NBA. We really don't anymore. At least we don't. Well, a lot of people don't. And I do think the NFL is surviving off of branding. And, and the brand is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And eventually, the bubble is going to burst. It's just going to be too much. They start canceling games because guys get hurt. Ugh. I, I think this whole thing, fans are not going to put up with that forever. And, and eventually, it's just going to be too much. They're, they're living off the days of Walter Payton and O.J. Simpson and Jim Brown and 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 you're right, Ray Lewis. That, that, that's the end of an era, and this thing is going to collapse at some point because the quality just isn't that good. The stakes aren't nearly as high as they used to be. When I see Bill Belichick and others signing off on this, it's, it's to me, it's like they don't even take this nearly as seriously as they used to. Why should we? Steve, thank you so much. You know, I got to say, I would say great job as always, but you were even better than you normally are uh, today. Uh, I yeah, was. Trust me. I'll be back to criticizing you tomorrow. Trust me. Uh, we'll play some tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in line like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all the seeds when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be.